Good evening. It is a rainy 50 degree day here in the Bay Area. And Danny, we have a trade to announce. We do. And it's, at least as we know it right now, I consider it a strange one. And that is because the Atlanta Hawks are trading Alan Crabb to the Minnesota Timberwolves in exchange for Jeff Teague and Danny LaRue periodic favorite Travion Graham. And why this trade is interesting for me is because in some ways it is a really simple one. All these players are on expiring contracts. It is a two for one, so it creates a roster spot. And so that means that you could think of it in some ways as a you could go to challenge trade or just teams valuing different things, except that to me, Jeff Teague is unambiguously the best player in this trade by a pretty decent margin and a desperately needed fit for the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah. And the thing to me that's interesting about it is it really seems like the Wolves have just decided that he can't play. You know, they moved him out of the starting lineup. And yeah, it's been a bit of a struggle for him this year to be sure but the overall numbers are not terrible even this year 58 percent true shooting 38 percent from three not a huge volume of attempts per 36 minutes but right around to where his career averages were if you just look at his top night line numbers 7.9 assists per 36 minutes a little below last year but still right around where he's been for since he started playing big minutes in atlanta way back in the 11 12 season but it seems like there's just a feeling that he's not going to be there anymore they wanted to move Jarrett culver into a point guard role now they're giving shabazz napier who they at least have uh, some bird rights on and might come cheaper than teague in the future more of a role and they also seem like this is something we said in their preview yesterday of course because we just did their preview there has to be a trade immediately afterwards that they just need someone who's going to make wide open shots on this team especially once carl anthony towns comes back and they've got wiggins they've got culver they've got napier they maybe they feel like they have enough ball handlers ultimately this seems at least from minnesota's standpoint more of a deck chairs on the titanic type of trade maybe it's just doing jeff teague a favor because he wasn't so much in their plans to, to get more time so i i understand this just because they really want that shooter and crab but it still does seem like a bit of a talent downgrade to me but i you know maybe there's something more about the way teague has played this year or just that they feel he's not reliable or or what but i you know i haven't seen that much of a decline in what he's been doing this year have you i haven't and also while alan crab is a it adds to their shooting it's not like he is this amazing underutilized overall player and so from minnesota's perspective i mean you you could argue that making them worse in the immediate isn't that great a consequence i don't expect them to make the playoffs that is something that's changed as the can perpetually questionable carl anthony towns continue to not play in basketball games. Uh, there are a couple of interesting angles here from Minnesota's perspective that I think could end up being important. One, they created a roster spot, and Minnesota actually still has a significant portion of their mid-level exception to use. Now, so they have, before it started prorating, it was about $5 million. Now, they still had enough wiggle room already under the tax to use all of that beforehand, and I don't know who they would use that on. Like, is there a buyout candidate that sees Minnesota a likely non-playoff team is a desirable outcome because like remember Wayne Ellington and Wes Matthews last year they didn't go to elite teams but they went to playoff teams that had playing time off so that's fundamentally different than going to Minnesota but then the other part of this is the concept of bird rights so Jeff Teague I think is a superior player to Alan Crabb but having Jeff Teague's bird rights might not matter to Minnesota if he doesn't want to come back and Alan Crabb while he is intensely overpaid right now all that really matters for bird rights if you are an over-the-cap team is just that you have the capacity to do that with Without using an exception. So maybe one of the things that Garrison 
Ferran Rosas is doing here is creating an opportunity for another player who probably will not come at a high price tag that they could get without without having to use some of their MLE or something else like that. So if it works, it would be very easy to retain crap. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's not like the Hawks didn't desperately need wing players and guys who could knock down threes and he still wasn't playing. Of course, they're, he's not a part of their future. They have these wings that they're trying to develop. Maybe this is a little bit of a shift away from that. But I see this as something that's really pretty much without downside for the Hawks. And they can also try to be the fourth team to teach Travion Graham to shoot. And if they can do that, they'll have themselves a player. And he, he's also maybe someone that they could look to resign. I mean, it, like you, I've long admired his effort on the wing and he had some superficially good shooting stats back in Charlotte, but that uh, has definitely waned in the last couple of years in Brooklyn and now in minnesota so he's been really really struggling from three shooting in the 20s something that will be worth watching from this trade i mean you and i have had a running a running reference in person and about how badly the hawks play when trey young is off the floor and that should get markedly better now however it could also serve as a reminder of how insane it was to play the first half of the season without any sort of functional backup and so i I think that it's better for the hawks and i I don't think they're going to make the playoffs so it's not like it's going to move that needle enough but it it, so it's good that they have it now it would have been better if they'd had it from from day one one further note on this trade teague and graham should they need to may still be aggregated into a trade because the hawks still finished the trade below the cap they're the only team with cap room they cut into that by about three million bucks here by taking on a little bit more they do also cost themselves the roster spot although they have uh, a number of wafable players including graham should they need more space to do something with uh, and take on more salaries in a trade and moreover they still have evidence turner and chandler parsons so you know if they get to a point where they need to get up to 60 million dollars instead of 40 million dollars of expiring contracts they can still trade tdk again but this does seem like it's a, a homecoming for t to return to atlanta and just to try and provide some sort of ball handling pick and roll play Maybe it's even possible <clears throat> that Teague could play next to Trey Young at times. They might try that, although that is certainly uh, a defenseless backcourt. So I like the trade for the Hawks as far as getting better for this year. It seems like they did. They'd been playing better already with the return of Herter and Collins and finally getting those guys integrated. I think those guys had only played less than 150 minutes together this year. They're kind of core three, but they've been more competitive. And especially with Trey Young on the floor, they've actually been positive these last few few games whereas they'd still been getting killed even before that so if they could even just get to you know negative six net rating with young off the floor as opposed to 90 offensive rating and you know negative in the double digits they're going to look a, a lot more competitive i also so think that in addition to the human factors here of the guys who are on the team now being more competitive this year will also make them more attractive to free agents as they go into the summer with uh, an estimated 60 million in cap space uh, that could grow even higher depending on what happens with jabari parker and uh, potential draft picks so let's uh do some news here and then we can lead into this southeast division trade outlook and let's go back to dallas where chris Tabs porzingis all signs pointed to him playing last night in sacramento second night of a back-to-back they had no problems waxing golden state the previous night 
and then Porzingis was unable to go he said after the game that he had been pain free before the game that pain returned so uh, remember the supposed thought was oh he was ready to go and then he had an illness and that's why he got held out that's uh, what the team was saying that's what they're saying uh, about Carl Anthony Towns in Minnesota too by the way but he said the the pain returned in his pregame workouts and once again a little troubling you never want to see this type of a cycle we've had it a couple of times where he's kind of ramped up and then has been able to go and this was the big risk in trading for porzingis is now nine straight on the sidelines for everyone who wanted to bury the knicks for making that trade and obviously when they didn't do anything with the salary cap space that they created it certainly looked bad but the Mavs gave Porzingis a no-brainer max contract hopefully this is something he can get over hopefully this is just an abundance of caution etc 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 but you always have to be worried with Porzingis and his injury history you do and Dallas is competing for seeding and they're you know they always obviously want to be right for the playoffs I mean they're going to be a playoff team so all of those things are our material concerns I I, we, I think I think it's kind of a natural segue to go from there to the Clippers, where there was another another issue that we didn't think was going to linger as much as it is, even though hamstrings are tricky. Paul George just missed his fourth straight game due to that left hamstring issue. Hopefully he'll be back on the sooner term, but we don't know that for sure. Yeah, Doc Rivers saying that he shouldn't be out for long. They are going to be extremely cautious. At least George, you know, he's got some broken leg, but other than that, doesn't really have much of a lower body injury history. He did have actually the surgery before last year, which is part of why I was so surprised he came into last year just killing the way he did but that's probably not related to a hamstring and i would expect that that he'll ultimately be okay we can return to minnesota left knee issue for towns illness he did not play against the pacers they lost and it's been a month now basically with him being called questionable for every game and not playing a little fast and loose here this is one where if the nba is really going to be serious about gambling they might want to crack down on, on this you know he clearly was not quite questionable at the beginning of this month if he hasn't played after a month like that questionable means you have a 50 50 chance of playing well wow i can't believe that coin turned turned up tails 13 times in a row when he had a 50 50 chance of playing so that's obviously a ridiculous designation but there is this issue of an illness supposedly his knee is no longer an issue wolves reporters adding that he could be back on friday and saturday so i really hope that happens he was having an awesome years and we'll see if they can marry some of this better defense they've been playing with towns's offense and try to get on a little bit of a roll here the, the playoffs are not totally out of reach for them yet they did at least have a decent stretch here against some bad teams recently that kept them uh, on the fringes at a minimum a couple of two-way standouts have signed full nba contracts and the timing on this is not a surprise because the last day to sign new two-way players was january 15th so converting them on the 15th allowed the heat and the warriors to sign new guys some some notable differences in the structure between chris silva's contract and damian lee's so silva's contract they're both fully guaranteed as they have to be for the remainder of this year however silva's contract is fully guaranteed for next season for 20 slash 21 whereas Damian Lee's is a little higher I think that's because he's because he has an extra year of experience he has a higher a higher salary if he makes the full thing but it's only 600,000 guaranteed and then each of them has no guaranteed money for 21 22 however it, according to Bobby Marks Chris Silva's is structured as a team option which thus they could decline it to make him a restricted free agent and Damian Lee's is is unprotected entirely yeah let's start uh with Silva, 
bouncy, undersized, basically center at this point in time, but it showed enough. Uh, and I definitely believe in Miami's evaluation when they want to bring guys like this into the system that they know what they're doing. Uh, I do worry he's a little too undersized, but it, it's nice to have different types of options, especially at backup center uh, and more of a speed, energy, bouncy, undersized center. It can be pretty useful there. Um, and he got a pretty good deal uh, compared to a lot of these guys. And I mean, Damian Lee to me has shown a lot more. He's older as well, has more equity in the organization. And for him to only get 600000 guaranteed for next year, I thought that seemed really low, but the Warriors for whatever reason most of the times of these negotiations unless it's with kevin durant or with other teams around the d'angelo russell trade and signing usually seem to get a little bit better of a deal than you'd expect even when you know, you'd think that lee had a, a fair amount of leverage here now of course they did move things around for him uh, and they signed marquise chris to a two-way contract after waiving him no one picked him up off of waivers despite the fact that he'd had an okay year again speaks to maybe chris's negative reputation or the fact that centers are, are pretty undervalued or i shouldn't say undervalued just that they are probably properly valued and that that value is low uh the good news for Golden State about Chris is that, remember, he was on just a one-year deal. They wouldn't have had any kind of bird rights on him. Should they want to, since he's coming off the two-way, they can now sign him for a longer contract once they have enough room below the hard cap if they wanted to get another year of him to bring him in for next year when they won't have that hard cap restriction now they are not able they only have 14 players to convert him as of this time because they only have 394,000 below the hard cap and march 4th would be the first day they could sign a player to the rest of the season contract we'll see if they open up another roster spot at the trade deadline it would be a competition between kai bowman and chris bowman has used up all of his service days he's now back in the g league and he actually has one of the better net ratings on the team at negative 5.4 so i'm sure they are hopeful that they'll open up another roster spot before the deadline and they can bring in chris and bowman uh, on full nba deals and, uh, and the one, other one thing, clarification though, yeah. there is that since the warriors have more of their mid-level exception available that's how they can do these longer term contracts if they if, if the players are willing to accept it yeah well they can always just sign them to, to a, a two-year minimum a two-year yeah. minimum but they could go beyond that if the players are willing to accept it as they did with lee yeah I mean, it's really probably that third year uh, with is the most surprising because Lee's what, 26, 27? That's gonna, he's essentially signing away all of his prime years at the minimum here. Also worth noting in Miami, Tyler Hero Tuesday hurt his left knee, sustaining a left knee bone bruise, did not play in their victory Wednesday over the Spurs. Unclear because he plays the Miami Heat how long he's going to be out. And whenever they say left knee bruise, or not necessarily left knee, but knee bruise, is that like a bone bruise in the knee suffered like on the inside of the joint? Is that just bumping knees and suffering a contusion? So if it's the former, as Heat fans know, because in 2013, Dwayne Wade famously dealt with so many knee issues due to a bone bruise. That's right, Ben Taylor. We said he was healthy. Healthy! They would have beaten the 2016 Cavs. 
Sorry, sorry. I just, I, I got triggered there for a second. Bigger news though, Zion Williamson going to be back in New Orleans. He's going to return though on Tuesday, not Monday for the showdown on Martin Luther King Day on national TV with John Morant. I'm not surprised they're doing it this way. Number one, I'm sure the season ticket holders want that to be his debut at home. Number two, it's a back to back. So they wouldn't want it. They're not, he's probably not going to play back to back the rest of the season. David Griffin said that. So, and this is coming by, via a presser that Griffin. Uh, did that small, small correction that san antonio game is on wednesday not on tuesday ah okay oh so it's not a back-to-back yeah so but it but it is frustrating all the same <laughs> <laughs> yes for for our purposes because we were planning and probably still planning to do the end of that game for the martin luther king day nba cast but yeah that is uh that is yeah and, and i mean so so he hopefully will separate himself from the walking wounded in new orleans yeah and there's talk that he's going to come off the bench they are going to ease him in I, i'm quite sure Derek favors says that he's going to play as we're recording this during the day thursday against the jazz coming off of that right hamstring strain says he feels good again uh, we've mentioned some of the issues he's had with the posterior chain in his career i'm always a little concerned when guys come back from injury the first time against their old team that they're just really pushing to be back for that game especially when it's a, a muscle injury uh kenrick williams is not going to play tonight against utah he's been out with lower back spasms he's been ruled out early for quite some time here so it could be a while still for him drew holiday is out with that elbow contusion he suffered and pretty amazing that he continued to play through that in the game he suffered it and then it must have really swelled up on him because he's been out for like a week now but brandon ingram is probable to play with a sore right knee and jj reddick is questionable that means he has a 50 percent chance of playing i'm going to say though with a hamstring injury and reddick who also has a history of some of this posterior chain stuff that, that he's going to not play but we'll see you'll by the time you listen to this you'll know the answer to that what else we got here kelly Ubre. uh he looks like he took a shot to the head on tuesday during the first quarter played through it and is now in the concussion protocol he will miss thursday's game against the new york knickerbockers and i always you know the nfl has gotten a lot of attention for you know the blue tent and all that type of stuff but i mean in the nba it seems like there are times that something happens and they just they just play through it and don't get looked at yeah i mean it's got to be tough i think when you get a concussion in the nfl it's just it's so bad that it's like pretty obvious you know because they crash into guys all the time and so most guys will probably just wave it off and it'll become really clear that they're concussed because like it just has to be so bad that you just like can't continue you know like what happened with jacob evans uh, the other night but yeah i mean these brain injuries are really tricky and so sometimes guys aren't going to show symptoms right away and then you know remember they're flying right after the game they they may report something they may get get re-examined so hard to know whether there's like blame to go here that he played or whatever i didn't see the play uh a guy who is not going to be converted at the two-way deadline or the deadline to sign new two-way contracts was norval pell he did play last night we did the nba cast for brooklyn he's got a couple of days left on that 45 days Derek bodner his opinion is that they're unlikely to convert him to an nba contract between now and the trade deadline because they want to have some roster flexibility and basically what it means is the sixers are losing the chance to sign someone to another two-way because january 15th which just passes the last day to sign it that they would have converted him had another two-way spot and could in theory have used it as the warriors did but Pell, I think it has uh, earned a spot. He's been the primary backup center in the absence uh, of Joel Embiid uh, over Cal O'Quinn. 
Yeah, and we'll see if they create a roster spot. That's going to be one of the one of the big questions there. In Sacramento, their Bogdanovich, Bogdan, is still out with the ankle issue that he's been dealing with. He did play on, on Saturday. I think that was on Wednesday. He did do one-on-one work at shoot-around and was moving around. So there's a chance that he'll play on Saturday. And and they have missed him. They, they had a close loss to the Mavericks on Wednesday night. Yeah, it's uh, been six straight games now for Bogdanovich on the sideline. OKC, they're starting to suffer a fair number of injuries impressive how they've been able to weather it given their lack of depth uh but they're missing abdel nader he didn't play where they got beaten pretty thoroughly by toronto came back to make it close at the end but trailed throughout most of the game by double digits and probably gonna be a while he got injured on monday and got ruled out pretty far in advance Steven Adams suffered a bruised right knee. I'm guessing usually when it happens during a game that it means like actual bruise as a result of bumping into someone, which is probably not as bad, of course, as something happens structurally in the knee, as we just talked about with Miami. Nerland's Noel, he's been out for six straight games with a left ankle sprain. He's been ruled out in advance of games. So uh, Justin Patton time? We talked about him in the Northwest Division preview. Can't trade him now. So, I mean, I'm interested to see Justin Patton. It is, uh, he has not gotten much NBA action since he w- was drafted. Yeah, sidetracked by that foot injury so early in his Timberwolves career and then never really got a chance to get it on track. Orlando is, is, an, is an interesting one, especially considering what happened on Wednesday. DJ Augustine had an MRI. I have not yet heard the results of that as of when we're recording this. And Evan Fournier, due to a quad issue when he got, he got kicked in the leg, he did not play against the Lakers on Wednesday in Staples, and yet the Magic still won that game. Yeah, it was a lot of West Wundu, a lot of uh, BJ Johnson playing, but it was really a lot of Markel Fultz that he iced the Lakers at the end. I still have some of these concerns about the Lakers crunch time offense although it was really their defense that killed them in that game JaVale McGee basically gave up eight straight points due to miscommunications that he was involved in or just getting beaten Dwight Howard to me is just so much better defensively I would say McGee is maybe a little bit better offensively just due to his versatility as a finisher but I like Howard much better defensively I was surprised that Frank Vogel went back to McGee AD did not play in that loss of course is actually the Lakers first loss to a team that is under 500 Lakers trailed by 20 twice uh, in this game they trailed by 20 got it back to four immediately gave up a 21 to 4 run and then went on a 22 to 2 run of their own took the lead it seemed like uh, the tide was swelling and then the magic were able to restore order down the end I mentioned the crush time offense it was just an incredible dichotomy because when LeBron James would just hold the ball and run the clock down they got terrible shots and I don't think they scored in any of those situations in the last three minutes and when they ran quick hitting actions they got great looks every time so that, that's something to watch in the future Rajon Rondo remains out with that finger issue as well uh Alex Caruso uh, had to leave the game with uh, what was called inconclusive concussion symptoms after getting hit in the face and Quinn Cook was able to replace him ahead of his best game of the year with 22 points what's going on in New York right now Frank Nokina is uh he's questionable for Thursday's game against the Suns and um he was it was a late scratch on Tuesday's game so generally that's going the right direction Dennis Smith Jr is dealing with a strained left oblique he does not have a timetable to return and has already missed nine straight and then Marcus Morris is questionable for a game against the Suns due to a neck issue yeah another one of these against his former teams remember he has quite a bit of bitterness uh, against the Suns even now three teams later you would imagine uh for 
Smith, he said he's actually coming along faster than expected. Uh, he'd heard that with oblique strains, it could be two months. But I mean, if that's really, if he's not going to play until the trade deadline and, and the Knicks in theory are thinking about moving him, there are some teams that, that are interested. The Wolves have had some reported interest uh, per Ian Begley. But this has been just a totally lost year for Smith. I mean, he's been terrible when he's played, but you know, he's really either been coming back from injury or out nearly the entire season so far. For Memphis, Jay Crowder did not play in their stirring victory over the Rockets where John Morant was 10 of 11 from the field and actually Taylor Jenkins played him above his minutes limit for the first time he got up to 36 minutes uh, everyone was uh, really seemed to get caught up in the moment so we'll see if that minutes limit increases remember he had that surgery in the offseason it's made so much sense in a season that in theory wasn't going anywhere to keep him on the minutes limit but now that they're winning all these games in the middle of this homestand perhaps that's going to change perhaps that's not for the long-term betterment of the franchise but uh Crowder, it's unclear if it's a long-term injury for him with this hip issue that he didn't play against the Rockets, uh, but they didn't need him against the Rockets. And there's a, a moment where they were playing all five of their young guys at once, uh, which was pretty cool to close out that game. We can jump to Brooklyn. Uh, we did the NBA cast on Wednesday night and DeAndre Jordan dislocated his right middle finger. We do not have an updated prognosis on, on his availability. Uh, Garrett Temple has missed the last two games with a knee contusion. And in Atlanta, one of their, one of those larger expiring contracts, not that he has been a big part of their encore product is Chandler Parsons. Chandler Parsons was in a car accident and, uh, he's in the concussion protocol and also they're checking him out for whiplash. So hope that, hope that he's doing better. And presumably, I mean, so that's the most important thing is his own physical well-being. But with Parsons, it's a little it's a little bit different at the trade deadline because the team that would be acquiring him would be doing so for salary purposes. So they would they could waive a physical if they wanted to. In Boston, Jason Tatum did not play in their shocking loss against the Pistons on Wednesday due to a sore right knee. We'll see whether it's just kind of a maintenance thing and he plays tonight against the Bucks. I hope he does because uh, we're doing that cast on the NBA Twitch channel. Daniel Tice did return from a sore knee against Detroit. The Bulls, man, are they banged up. They did manage to beat the Wizards as Luke Cornett played 35 minutes and Bradley Beal was not exactly waxing poetic about the Wizards culture, which is a surprise to me because I think they've actually been higher than expectations, but apparently not his. Chandler Hutchison suffered another shoulder issue, potentially an aggravation. He missed over a month with that. This could have been one of those things where like maybe he needed surgery or he tried to avoid surgery by rehabbing and now is injured it again. So we'll see what the prognosis is on him. He's supposed to be reevaluated later in the day. And then Daniel Gafford, the reason that the Unicornet had to play so much, he missed two to four or will miss two to four weeks with a dislocated right thumb. Uh, they, they actually said that before the game was even over. So yeah, it's going to be Cornette, maybe even a little Felicio time. Uh, Jim Boylan has been pretty insistent on playing a center. He has not played Markinen and Young together hardly at all even with Young having a very nice game he didn't want to close with that group and to his credit it actually worked out even though it wouldn't have been my choice and finally for Denver Gary Harris didn't play against Charlotte on Wednesday with an adductor issue uh so possible he's going to miss more games since Mike Malone is talking about taking the big picture approach with him Jamal Murray had to be helped off the floor with a, another ankle sprain he seems to get an ankle sprain like once a month and I'm usually a little more worried about these because he got it when he landed trying to block a shot you're going you know, to put more weight on when you land from a jump than if you're just taking a step so that'll mean more for Will Barton in terms of a ball handling role uh, Bonte Morris is probably 
probably going to start you would think and michael porter jr might get some more time at playing in a smaller position not necessarily the four although paul Millsap also misses four straight with a left knee contusion and no word on how long it's going to be there for him all right let's talk some southeast division should we begin with the atlanta hawks now that they've made this stunning trade we might as well and so the hawks now are 2.6 million under the cap after this trade and they do not have an available roster spot though they do have lots of ways to clear a roster spot should they need to and the hawks also should they want to use it have the the room exception still available they since they still have cap space they also still have the room exception and as we noted jeff t and or travion graham can be aggregated in a subsequent trade though i i would guess that they don't need to do that it would be more if they want to or the other team the potential trade partner will be there also as a piece of background the hawks have all of their own first round picks moving forward plus brooklyn's if the nets make the playoffs this year and oklahoma City's in 2022 if the thunder make the playoffs that year uh they are missing a couple of their own seconds but they have some extras while well from now and it would be nice if they had their own seconds just as a way of getting some value back because they're not well, gonna make also because the they suck this year might, right might have been nice to have yeah a, 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 a small consideration as well um so the Hawks, I mean, their biggest need going into the season, but also going into this part of it was backup point guard. I, that's a big part of why I expect Jeff Teague, you know, this isn't just salary filler or something for them. I, I expect that Jeff Teague will be on the roster for the remainder of this season. And it, it, after this move, it becomes harder to see, though it is absolutely still possible to see the Hawks as a facilitator. And part of the reason why is this interesting question about, well, if they have so much cap space, my projection is 73 million. They could easily. If, if the Hawks wanted to, they could use some of that to take on a player, wh- whoever, whether that's Dwayne Deadman or anybody basically else. But when a team has that much cap space, you could also say, well, why not keep it, maintain the flexibility, whereas a team that does not have cap space that is trying to basically that could take on salary that doesn't reduce their spending power would actually have a much smaller opportunity cost. Yeah, I agree with you there. We're going to have to like just have a cap dork nerd fight about whether we should project them for 60 million or 73 million in space uh, for next year. I think Parker is going to opt in and uh, their draft picks uh, are going to lower it down to 60. But I guess in theory, they could have more if if they needed it. Uh, and frankly, they're probably going to have more space than they know what to do with it. We'll see, though. I'm still interested to see what they're able to come up with in terms of some veteran free agents. Andre Drummond, of course, uh, has been discussed. We've discussed those rumors quite a bit. Hollinger and I have discussed it quite a bit. And the most recent reporting from James Ezra III, as we talked about in the Central Division preview for the Pistons, is that the discussions have centered just around basically sending expiring salary for Drummond. I guess there, it can't hurt to do that, right? I mean, you might as well get the guy for this year. I mean, it, it would hurt your draft pick for this year, I suppose. But well, maybe and, and, is, it, and it probably gives him more leverage if things go well. Then it's you know, it's it, it, I think it, the expectation for me would be that it's a higher price, but it also probably makes him more likely to go there, even though bird rights don't matter. It also gives the Hawks the ability to give him a fifth year, which I think would probably be a mistake. Uh, yeah, yeah, giving him a fourth year would probably be a mistake. Uh, but sorry, go ahead. Well, well, one more thing on Drummond here. 
I think it's worth even discussing whether for this team it would make sense to just trade for him even if you don't have to give up anything other than expiring contracts because that player option is a big risk to the team he gets hurt he's ineffective the fit next to John Collins doesn't work which I'm very skeptical of by the way I think you'd like to have more of a shooting center next to Collins to to open up his role ability and we saw that Blake Griffin and Drummond only really worked because Griffin was able to shoot the ball so well John Collins unlikely is going to get to be the level of shooter and playmaker that Griffin was so yeah if Drummond expired this year sure go ahead like definitely do it get the upgrade for this year yeah you might hurt your draft pick a little bit but the the new rules in terms of the lottery aren't that bad but that player option because the player is going to make the right decision you harp on this all the time where either he's going to play really well and then he's going to opt out and you're gonna have to pay him or he's going to play so poorly he opts in and you're like oh man we could have been doing something so much better with that 28 million and there are market forces that could lead Drummond to picking up that option too because because if he thinks that the value dropped for him between 2020 and 21, the other the year he could become a free agent if he picks up that option isn't as big and he's not going to make 28.8 million anywhere else, then maybe he picks that up. And again, then that leads to the same problem. And the leverage play. So the piece of information that Atlanta could get, which could be valuable, is his fit with John Collins. And you would rather know that with a couple month sample than with a, you know, committing on a four year contract. But the, the, ability to wait it out to see what center gets into the price that you're most comfortable paying because supply is going to outstrip demand by a lot on the center market in 2020 i think is is more than worth it so yeah there's a i hadn't thought, gone that extreme with it but i think that's a fair point i mean they might be able to get like two quality starters for that 28 million i mean even if drummond kind of just plays at his normal established level and ends up opting in i still think you might be able to do better for this money because to me it's all about the high replacement level at center like is drummond really that much better than say atlanta native Derek favors or Serge Ibaka or uh, Montrezl Harrell probably might you might say is better than him depending on what you need both those guys might be kind of overrated but so and then you look at some of the guys who might be available on the wing you know Royce O'Neal as a restricted free agent would look awesome there for example Joe Harris as a shooter could be a a, a great fit so there's Bogdan Bogdanovich Evan Fournier he's kind of redundant with Herter but you get my point here I mean I think there are enough starters to go around and few enough teams that can offer above the mid-level and or is it would going into the summer of 2021 is it worth just keeping some cap space open next year as well there's to me i really don't like that player option so i i'm starting to even think that it's not a good idea to do it even if you just do expiring contracts and then if you're talking about giving up real value oh boy yeah that gets into a bigger problem and something else for 21 is john collins is a restricted free agent that year absent an extension which would be he's he'll be eligible for yeah. over the offseason but remember that he, since he was a later pick his capital is just 12.4 million so the hawks could wield a lot of power and it's hard to imagine next season going worse than this one has in terms of desirability for free agents now there will be a lot more high-end teams desirable locales that will have cap space to work with but you could still use that for trades and a number of other things that could potentially lead to a better hawks team than drummond who also doesn't fit their age curve and all sorts of other stuff the other thing i want to mention for the hawks before we move on is they have a lot of young players but i don't think their young players are at the point where travis Schlink wants to trade them so herder and and well, Bembry's a pending restricted free agent, but like you know, there isn't really anybody who is both superfluous and desirable. So I, I, I imagine that they're going to stand pat unless they want to use somebody like Damian Jones as filler. 
Yeah, the superfluous desirable player is such a great commodity, but they are unfortunately exceedingly rare. Yeah, the other option that would have been more of a last year Atlanta move would be say try to talk to the Heat, take on James Johnson and Dion Waiters, but the whole bad contract destination thing doesn't really seem like there are that many teams trying to dump contracts. There are also plenty of competition from the likes of say Cleveland. There are plenty of massive expiring contracts uh, out there for teams that want to do that so i don't see them going that route even if they wanted to i the other thing i could maybe see them doing is getting involved with say denver you know i think hernan gomez would be someone that they would love to get some restricted free agent rights on do it try a lower level trade for him i'm not sure that malik beasley fits as well with herder already in the fold but you know he's way better than say cam reddish is again if they want to try and get better beasley has some big contract expectations but he would be restricted tough to see where an offer sheet comes from there especially if he's already on the hawks team as opposed to having to go after him in restricted free agency now you could say that they could go after those guys in restricted free agency as well so you wouldn't want to give up too big of an asset there but that's another thought is to try and find a young guy on another team that uh, that team doesn't want to pay we talked about those guys yesterday for denver anything else come to mind for these guys uh, for you not really um player most likely to be traded which is weird after a team that just made a trade oh well actually one more thing we might talk about too is that if it's not drummond maybe they try to grab someone else on the center market sure and they could and and they could do something long-term or short-term it doesn't really matter if they think somebody can be a part of the solution then by all means and that was part of the idea with with deadman though i think that a deadman trade would happen if it if, if they were to bring him back it would be more logical to just wait until the summer they'll have the cap space to take him on and then they'll know what other options were on the table and right now they don't have unless schlenk is a master calibrator of where the center market is going he doesn't know how that deadman contract is going to look in six months yeah may, and same thing like cody zeller would be another one who might be available but yeah i, I would be a little bit loath to take on money for next year at this point in time because again i think there's going to be some decent value there and, and you know a zeller even a deadman those guys aren't going to be a part of the long-term well, and, future and, this and they're team. not going to make the playoffs this year so yeah you're right that weakening their draft pick is more conceptual now because you teams can jump up there's more variance in the lottery but you know i mean even the hawks are nine and 32 right now and even if they're better and i expect they will be in the second half than they were in the first half that's still pretty rough oh we never picked did either of us pick a player no no we didn't yet i I just wanted to to get to that so let's see who are our options turner parsons Damian Jones is kind of a piece. I'm going to go with Damian Jones just because I could I could see them trading him in a move involving a center. And I think that's the most likely acquisition position now that point guard is filled. Yeah, I, I mean, this is a tough one now that, that they've made the move. I mean, Vince Carter isn't good enough for a contender to want him. You know, he's a buyout level of guy. Graham, I mean, maybe he'll be involved. In, uh, like those guys might just be involved in a trade due to roster spots, uh, maybe more than anything. I mean, Carter, it seems like they he also can block a trade so it's not gonna be carter uh, assuming he wants to stay there and, and seems more likely that if he does get traded he would get waived so don't see it being him i mean jones is like kind of playing for them he's still young in theory jabari nobody's gonna want him though with that 6.5 million dollar player option which was uh not the greatest decision but by schlank well yeah speaking- i don't know i guess i'll i guess i'll go graham but but i don't like it speaking of undesirable player options let's go to the miami heat uh the heat are in the tax <laughs> 
and barely below the hard cap after the the Chris Silva signing. So basically, if they're the structure here is if they're making a trade, it has to reduce their 2019-20 salary. It cannot add to it as a functional consideration. That doesn't mean they are prevented from making trades. It just makes it hard and it makes it very difficult to use their $6.3 million trade exception from Wayne Ellington or the remaining about $4.8 million of their mid-level exception. Miami is, is in such a challenging place because they would love to get better. I mean, they've, they've had a successful year and there are a lot of positives that they can build forward, but making moves to improve is difficult and also making moves to improve their books for 2020 slash 21 is difficult because the players they have are undesirable and they are incredibly impacted in terms of draft picks. Yeah, I, I, certainly it seems like it, it would be difficult for them to make a move. Now, they do have a lot of very intriguing assets on this team if they wanted to. I mean, think of Casey Akpala. We talked about him as maybe the low-level guy, 32nd overall pick. They gave up a couple of seconds to move up and grab him from the Pacers in what was initially the Suns pick and then went to the Pacers in the TJ Warren trade. But he, he's guaranteed for three years going out, but basically at the minimum. And they've got Duncan Robinson. They've got Kendrick Nunn, who had 33 last night. Hero supposedly is untouchable there. They've got Justice Winslow, though his back issues are pretty concerning. And they've got Derek Jones Jr., who is going to be a, a unrestricted free agent this year. They will have full bird rights on him. But he's someone that they might end up losing potentially. I think a lot of teams will be targeting him. He'd look good in an Atlanta uniform, finishing some alley oops from Trey Young, for example, uh, and actually giving them some defense on the wing. So they have the assets. You mentioned the inflexibility with the hard cap. I mean, I'm not as worried about their draft picks going forward. They can still trade one, which, you know, would just have to turn it in two seconds to be first available draft. But just the whoever got it would have to realize that it's not coming until 2025 at the earliest. It went it'll be a whole different era of heat basketball at that point you imagine pat riley even won't be around anymore well and not only that but miami doesn't have they can't trade a second round pick until 2027 which is amazing yeah so oh, and they can't that's the seven-year rule i don't even think they could trade that one that's right <laughs> not not until the draft yeah. uh, or after the drafts i should say but the biggest issue for them is they've got so much depth they don't really have any easy to fill needs it would have to be some kind of a move like, like people have talked about maybe like danilo gallinari for them i don't know how much he i mean it would be nice to get a little more shooting at the four play him next to bam they've got enough defense in theory to to make that work he could be an upgrade on olenic they do have uh, all those contracts with olenic james johnson and waiters and i guess i guess danny they could make them so because they've got all these cheap contributors if they could find a way to get off of johnson olenic and waiters they could have like 40 million in cap space for this summer hmm, but i don't I, I don't even know who they would target like to me yeah. And, and think about what the asset cost would be. James Johnson, definitely a negative value contract. Waiters, definitely a negative yeah, value contract. But, but I mean, think of, uh, of they're the only ones who are probably going to be trying to get off a salary this summer, you would think. So maybe the cost would be a little bit cheaper. They could give up one of these first round picks. But I think that seems more like a summer move. Right. Especially because then they can trade their 2020 first. They cannot do yeah. it right now, do the Stepien rule, but they can once the pick is made. But I mean, it would make a lot of sense for them to maybe go after Chris Paul with that kind of a package. But again, with the OKC maybe trying to make the playoffs this year that would make more sense in the summer especially if Giannis were to sign that designated player veteran extension we'll see where these guys finish up in the playoffs too 
And so that seems more like a summer move to me uh, or to just open up the the space for, I mean, I don't think, you know, maybe it could be a salary ballast for a Carl Anthony Towns if he really gets disgruntled. But I think, again, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves here. I'm just trying to think yep. creatively with these guys, but it, it doesn't, yeah. The, another decision that Pat Riley is going to have to make, and these are predictions as much as anything else is, is do they think it's workable for both sides to bring Goran Dragic back? So Dragic making 19.2 million this year, but he's an unrestricted free agent. That means either side can get out of it. And he isn't playing as large of a role in this Heat team as I expected, partially due to the ascendance of Kedrick Nunn. And theoretically, that could be a mechanism for, I mean, they couldn't go over the hard cap this year for adding salary for next year moving forward. If a team were interested in Dragic, I think they keep him around just because he's helping and he can, especially in the case of injury, he can be an important part of it. So I, I think it's another one of those circumstances where, yeah, in an ideal world, if the right team come calling with the right offer, maybe you consider it. But I don't expect that to be there, especially when Miami is playing with such high stakes because they're having such a nice year. How would you be valuing Justice Winslow if you were the Heat? Oh, God. I mean, I still like Winslow as a contributor. Like I, He, in some ways, to me, because of the, the role that he plays within an offense, is more of a floor, second unit floor raiser than a starter. I think, you know, I, I think in some ways it would have been challenging for him had he been healthy this whole year with the Heat because his place within a Jimmy Butler team would be fundamentally different. But his contract is, you know, if, if these back issues are not persistent, I I could see a team being interested in him 13 million for next year and then a 13 million dollar team option in 2021 which is when a lot of franchises are valuing flexibility team option that's plenty of flexibility can kind of go either way with that so i don't think i would if i were another team i'd give up something of, of meaningful value but if if the heat were looking to get off of obligations i could see i could take him on especially if i had an expiring contract and weren't looking for space so like let's say cleveland you know cleveland they have all these expiring contracts of players who don't really move the needle that much if if Miami said we we want out of Justice Winslow maybe you give us a nominal second I would do that if I were Cleveland yeah I mean I think the, the heat but I don't think he would view do him obviously as positive exactly for sure um yeah I mean he, he might be a nice fitting but and I think with Jones a free agent it gets uh, with those versatile three four stopper types they don't necessarily you know because they don't want Butler guarding those guys and bam you want him to play center so I, I think it is important to keep him around I think his ball handling does provide a little bit of additional versatility so i I wouldn't expect him to be moved necessarily where are we gonna go next here oh most likely to be traded um I'm going to go James Johnson, even though it's a hard trade to make just because I think they have more. And I think he's more tradable than Deion Waiters, given all the stuff that's going on right now with him. Hmm. But it's hard. I'm going to go Akpala. Doesn't really fit the heat ethos to trade a guy like that, but they've got a lot of guys at his position and he, he might be the one to give him a slight upgrade. Okay. Well, the, but it, but it, I don't feel good about any yeah, of those. It, this has been a longer podcast because we don't news, but fortunately the other three teams in the Southeast, I think are, are pretty short comparatively to some of these. Uh, the Orlando Magic have have 7.8 million under the tax after the Timofey Moskov stretch got entirely removed from their books. They have no available exceptions. Use the mid-level on Al Farouk Aminu. They could theoretically create a disabled player exception, but we don't know that right now. So that's that's another thing. Also, the Magic, every single team in the NBA has a pick e- either owed or owed to them or from them. 
but the Magic have maybe the smallest collective obligation because all they have is the Lakers 2020 seconds. So that's going to be one of the probably one of the five worst picks in the 2020 draft. So they don't really have much in the way of draft assets. Losing Jonathan Isaac for a while, if not the whole season, losing Alfred Camino makes it, you know, it, I'm sure the Magic would love to be, would love to get better, but they don't have a ton of flexibility even moving forward. So I think they're, it's kind of hard unless they want to do something big like trading Aaron Gordon or maybe moving on from one of their centers like if they decided now is the time to cut bait on Mobamba which I do not expect in it at all that that they would do it so what is there any kind of conception that you think is worth discussing well I think the biggest thing is people have been really on the idea of Evan Fournier being traded with that player option 17 million next year having a, a career year you could see him opting out of that maybe trying to come back to the magic he also is still pretty young uh, amazingly even after having been in the league uh, for eight years now uh, came in when he was 19 so uh, a guy who's certainly worth a, another contract for a team that needs some secondary ball handling young enough where he uh, might work for one of the forlorn five although some of those teams not looking too forlorn anymore like memphis but that that being of course the, our term for the teams that are going to have cap space uh, this offseason i don't see them moving him i don't see them hurting their playoff chances it just doesn't seem like where this franchise is at mentally uh so now they might just get so injured that they decide they want to do that also nobody is exactly like growing larger in their rear view mirror at this point in time so they might feel like they can make a move to get a little bit worse but uh, i mean what what is are you going to get for fournier is that are you going to get a first for him maybe you start thinking about it well yeah and, uh, and yeah. remember also that fournier has leverage as a potential unrestricted free agent and that there i don't see a team that both really likes fournier and has so little spending power otherwise that trading for him is their only way to get it you know like that there is a value to that in certain circumstances but i don't really see those circumstances being present here there's no team that screams evan fournier destination that also has no flexibility yeah and, and i think with so many guys out and injured too it's just it's tough now it's not like they're playing at some unbelievable level when everyone was healthy i do think there is a are some moves to be made here actually let me make a little put provide a little color to the idea of like how much wiggle room they have so using using the raptor based projections for 538 the magic are projected to win 40 games just around 500 and the the team that would be that has the highest record in terms of theoretically jumping them is the chicago bulls who the model projects to win 31 games so 31 one games is only 11 more than the magic have right now and we're halfway through the season yeah and the bulls are like probably more injured than the magic are right now yeah, and, and if we use their elo model it's still 31 it's just the pistons instead and the pistons might be trading andre drummond which would lower their projection yeah it's not a not a particularly inspiring group behind them so maybe they think hey we could trade fournier we can get a pick i, I think it's more just about perhaps the demand for fournier well and also trading fournier if they're not gonna because if you're trading him you can't resign him makes it a lot harder to be competitive next year and they don't have a two guard in waiting that just needs the opportunity and it's really a similar piece of logic with Aaron Gordon Gordon's contract descends it has two he'll make 18 million in 20 slash 21 and then 16.4 in 21 22 he definitely have interest and I think that in theory Gordon and Jonathan Isaac if you're not going to play them at the four and the five are overlap a little bit too much for my taste but what is the conception of an Aaron 
Gordon trade that really helps the Wizards. I don't think teams are falling all over themselves to get Gordon at this point. A player whose reputation might actually be hurt by how long ago he came into the league. He's still, like Fournier, very young, but he hasn't transformed, captivated really since he went. He's just a good functional player. And so on a reasonable contract, I, I could see teams being happy to have him, but I, I can't think of a, a trade idea unless somebody values Gordon significantly more than I do or I think any other team does to make it work. Yeah. And there might even, I can't even think of an Aaron Gordon trade conception that would help the magic. Not, not even the wizards. Oh. Same thing. <laughs> he can swear on this program. Uh, all right. Most likely to be traded. I'll go with Fournier just because they could maybe be scared of his free agency. And Augustine. Yeah. Beyond- there's enough noise around Fournier that maybe it's possible, but it's just, I, I just don't, it just doesn't strike me as like that they're, they're going to like cripple their chances to win two games in the playoffs. I, I, and so I love, on. I love that the Magic are like the hall of very good of teams where they have all these players that I, I could imagine general managers. Yeah. Are- I'd say like the hall of like slightly. A pretty good. Maybe slightly, slightly, slightly above average. Yeah, and then they also have some negative value contracts. Maybe less so because they're still projected to go forty and forty-two this year. Yeah, that's, that's one of our over/unders. That's going to be like right on the borderline. They'll probably make it though because everyone else is going to be so bad at the end of the year, and they'll be trying. You'll be so angry if that's what happens. Well, I mean, should price that in. It's not a new thing. Yeah. Okay. So one of us did. Let, let's get to the Washington Wizards and uh any trades, Aaron Gordon based or not, that may help them. The Wizards are currently. 4 million below the luxury tax. They do still have a $5 million trade exception from the Thomas Sadoransky trade and a $1.6 million one. And a notable piece of business for them in terms of the flexibility that Tommy Shepard could have had, they recently cut CJ Miles to fill out their roster. And while that makes their team better because CJ Miles is presumably missing the rest of the season, Miles' $8.7 million would have been useful salary ballast in some conceptions. And the Wizards are among the these teams that could have theoretically added 2020 slash 21 salary. And so they could have used miles for that purpose, who they would have gotten or anything like that is not a clear proposition, but it is, you know, to me making that trade a few days, making that cut a few weeks before the trade deadline is a little bit dubious when the wizards aren't even trying to make the playoffs. They probably could have just had that guy sit on the vine for a couple weeks and said, we will pay you eventually. So I think any discussion around the Wizards has to start with Davis Bertans. And I think that he is someone they clearly want to resign. But there's a thought that that's going to cost a lot of money. He's young enough. His shooting would be useful on just about every team in the league that he could have a market that's significantly above the mid-level exception, even though at times he doesn't even start for these guys. But second rounders, no, I would, I would value his bird rights. I'd value bringing him back. Put it a first on the table, you know, in the twenties. You listening? It's a really shitty draft. Come on. At least that's what they say. Well, and I mean, for Bertans, is there, is there some sort of confidence that other than if you repay, I don't think he's getting a, giving a quote unquote hometown discount to a non playoff team that he played on for one year. So if the reason you're retaining his bird rights is to overpay him on a team that isn't going to be probably be pretty good for another couple of years, if that, I mean, I, I would do it because I think, well, that, the, I think that they think they're going to, I mean, if John Wall, well, yeah, I mean, if they think back, this, like, that's the going they back think to, they'll make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, next remember, year, I remember and, the, and, and they're probably right. 
they're probably, they're probably right if they can uh, yeah, if, if they could just get like a, a another defensive center in there like one more guy who can defend troy brown has looked good Rui takes a step forward mo wagner like they could actually be fully healthy and you know improve their defense even slightly they would be in yeah, the playoffs con- congratulations they could be maybe like the seven or eight seed and get yeah. waxed by whoever the one or two seed is next year I, I, I mean i get that but like you're just gonna let bertans go or no i think you you try to if the team gives you the right value you trade yeah well i mean i'm saying like what else are they doing with this money they're gonna be capped out for a while anyway they got no i mean they got wall and beal on the roster you might as well bring, get bertans back uh and, and i mean and, and his shooting is really and, and for that too. reason you he should age reasonably well bertans is yeah he'll, he's 27 now he'll turn 28 early next season so yeah i mean a three or four year contract i, I think he'll be fine for that so yeah it, it, it could be there but remember he could bertans could also just leave let's say he's more interested sure. in memphis or i don't know any any number of other teams like washington yeah. it's not like they've given him the reins and had him start or given him a, a, a i mean he gets to shoot more but i don't think i think any team that would be selling bertans would be selling him on that same stuff if the portland trailblazers wanted to trade you rodney hood and a lottery protected first rounder would you be interested in that for bertans yes <sighs> Especially because the Blazers, to me, they don't, uh, they can win games, but I don't see them as that pick is becoming like a bottom five in the first round. And it's not, it's been probably not conveying this year and presumably next year's draft will be better. So yeah, I'd be fine with that. I mean, to take on the dead money of hood, which is not that much. The opportunity cost for the wizards of the hood money is marginal. True. I don't think I would do it still, uh, even so. I, I guess the, the other thing we could talk about too is that the Wizards, if the Bertans has cap hold about 13 million, if they lose him, they could have, a, eh, you know, around 10 million. So it really would be full mid-level exception type of money next year. Um, yeah, I, I, I might be valuing Bertans a little bit higher than you just because, I mean, the level of shooting. Well, you, you're valuing making, retaining making. Bertans more than me. I think we value him similarly as players. I just think that the chances that the Wizards retain him on a non-disastrous contract are pretty low. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it could be disaster. And he's he, he's got like torn AC. I think he's got two torn ACLs in his past. So there's a, a little bit of a concern that it, he might not age as well as you would hope for a 27 year old. Still, though, I, I think he's really just an awesome offensive player. I'd love to see. I mean, some of the transition that you could get with Wall. I mean, now, granted, it's John Wall coming off a torn Achilles. He's got all these knee problems. He's probably not never going to play back to backs again in his career. All that stuff. Uh, uh, but uh, still, still like Berton. <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh we'll see but yeah i mean i think there could be a big offer for him out there but and also just for the narrative of the franchise you got the guy for free he's probably the biggest feel-good story of the team this year he fits at any position or or, or, or he fits with basically anyone offensively i think the factors are that, that he's not going to get moved i mean unless and it would take a little bit more than that portland package that we're talking about especially if it would be pushing it out another year which uh, in theory should reduce the value of of the draft pick what else do we need to talk about with these guys not a whole lot remember that they they cannot trade bradley beal during this league year because of the structure of his extension he will be trade eligible in the offseason but they can't do anything maybe they could do something with jan mahinmi their only their best defensive player in terms of that same concept of salary filler trade him for a future year i don't expect that to happen either there just aren't that yeah many. another th- an- i and i don't think they can do the bad money take on bad money for next year because they will need money to use their mid-level they would they yeah they're they're a little to bit too close Bertans. yeah yeah they're a little bit too close so yeah i don't expect them to do it either and yeah i mean they they could 
theoretically, even though he they could try to sell high on Ish Smith that that six million dollars, especially if Derrick Rose, let's say, is not on the market, then they could they could sell that as trade for Ish Smith, and then you don't have to use your mid level on a backup point guard next year. That could be appealing, but I don't think they're going to get an asset worth making that sort of move when the Wizards think they could actually be good, be respectable next year because they could be. Yeah, and, and you don't see them trying to trade for anybody Atlanta style to get better this year. That that doesn't make any sense. So it doesn't make any sense, but it is possible. I I don't think it's possible. I think I think their their new management is not going to grunfeld this one up, uh, especially after the lesson of trading Kelly Oubre for Trevor Ariza last year. Charlotte, oh, oh most likely to be traded. Um, Bertans. Yeah, I guess that's probably right. Especially now that CJ Miles got waived, because they that means that salary filler one is done. Yeah, and like an Isaiah Thomas, he doesn't have enough value to be traded somewhere. Uh what, what about uh, Jordan McRae? I think they want to keep him. Well, yeah, they do have early bird rights on him for next year. They could use the, that score off the bench, especially if Thomas is probably not going to be back next year. Yeah, I mean, he's had some pretty good games lately. He's a good scorer. doesn't do much else. He's also 28 uh, this offseason. But yeah, that's a, I think they probably do want to keep him. He's been playing well for them. All right, let's look at uh, let's look at Charlotte here. The Hornets are 8.4 million below the luxury tax threshold. They are still holding about 6 million of their mid-level exception, which is remarkable when you think about how a little bit of depth could help them, and yet they, they didn't do it. Ownership is the biggest competitive advantage in the NBA. In terms of asset base, Charlotte has all of their own firsts and no extras. They do owe their own seconds in 2021 and 23, but they do have some extras. Cleveland's in 2020, most notably coming back to kind of offset that at least close to it. The big question that I have with Charlotte is just what the heck would they want to do? I mean, they, they're really, it would take a lot for me to put them on the playoff roller coaster, you know, just to really get into that. I mean, they could maybe, maybe if with like a, an upgrade trade or actually using their mid level a while ago could have gotten into the, if one of these other teams gets even more catastrophically injured, they could like the ninth spot that becomes the eighth spot type of a thing. And they do have a crap ton of expiring money that could be used. So for me, the biggest question becomes of their, let's say, expirings like Marvin Williams, most notably, is there a market for any of those guys, either as salary ballast or just them as players? Yeah, they've got Biombo, 17 million expiring. Williams is 15 million expiring. Kid Gilchrist is 13 million expiring. John Hollinger had an interesting idea that potentially a team could trade a smaller salary for Kid Gilchrist and then move Kid Gilchrist to stair step up with the salary matching to get say someone like Iguodala Williams to me is the only one who has any value at all what would be your price for Marvin Williams I mean he is a good vet in the locker room he helps them a little bit hopefully they haven't deluded themselves that they might actually make the playoffs and they need to keep him I mean to me I might want to say I mean you know a second in the 50s is just so worthless right yeah for me I I would I wouldn't really seek out a second below 45 yeah i mean maybe two seconds in the 50s maybe <laughs> uh but yeah I mean, it, it does make the value a little hard there you're not getting a first rounder for him the team would obviously have to have an expiring contract coming back another t- this is another team where williams can play if there were more bad contracts out there they could maybe get more value for him by taking back someone who had bad money for next year but as we've said ad nauseum there are not many such players who exist the rest of these guys look like buyout cans i could see williams even be 
being a buyout candidate, but uh, he's really the only guy to me that could get brought in. So, I mean, the Hornets might make sense to make a, a proactive move for you know, your Beasleys or Hernan Gomez's of the world or your restricted free agents on another team who uh, may not be coming back. Um, that that might be the only proactive move I could see them making. They do have $26 million in cap space for next season. I'm interested to see what they want to do with that. I mean, I would see them probably just trying to like get a starter or two with that. But they, they've got so long to go in their rebuild. I mean, they've if you're looking at the keepers on this group, I mean, Rozier, like maybe. But I mean, I, I think know. I think they could be the Charlotte leverages this summer for somebody like Evan Fournier to say, yeah, Charlotte, Charlotte's going to offer me 20, offer me 21 or whatever, and I'll stay. Yeah. But between uh, Devontae Graham, you know, I don't know that they even have a guy on this team who projects to be a top 15 star at their position. So they've got a lot of work still to do. I also would be wary of winning too many games if I were them, frankly. Uh, they need to get uh, at least be in the mix for that number one pick and moreover, limit their downside for uh, if they don't get into the top four. You know, like this team, you don't want to be like, you know, picking ninth potentially. Uh, they've uh, they've been around that range for some time now. Um, another thought might be that Cody Zeller would be of interest to another team he's got money going in for next year probably a little overpaid especially considering uh his intermittent availability don't see him being too in demand so uh, ultimately i foresee a quiet deadline most likely to be traded probably marvin williams i would agree on on williams just the the sales point is is the easiest and the salary difference between him biombo and kid gilchrist is small enough that it, it seems most likely that he'd be moved and remember that they have cap space so charlotte making that you know that salary shift move doesn't make his much sense for them as it does for a lot of other teams. Okay, we're done here? Yeah, I'll mention that uh, I'm doing a collaborative breakdown of the trade that happened that we talked about here, the Teague crab trade. I'm, I'm still working on what the phrasing is going to be for me in my head about that trade uh, with Sam Vecini and Seth Partnow that will be available on The Athletic as you people are reading this. I should have a couple other pieces in the offing as well. And I will remember remind people that because it's on an unusual day that we will be doing the NBA cast on Martin Luther King Day. And so so uh, we will record between now and then, but just to kind of keep it in mind, the current plan is that we're going to do Lakers Celtics in its entirety, but knowing the two of us and how interested we are in the game, we'll probably do the end of Pelicans Grizzlies as well if it's close. All right. We'll talk to you all next week. Have an awesome Martin Luther King Day weekend. Till then.